Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold, the sports car market podcast. Market experts and car friends for over 30 years, Keith Martin and Mark Green have come together through their mutual love for collector cars. Keith and Mark will take you on a ride into the collector car market, talking with industry experts, helping you navigate your collector car journey so that you know when to make your own decisions to buy, sell, or hold. Hello, I'm Mark Green from the Cars Yeah! Podcast. And I'm Keith Martin from Sports Car Market Magazine. Welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold, the essence of collecting. This is show number 14. So Keith, uh, another day, another great guest. How are you today? I am looking forward to this guest. I'm looking forward to this show. And then I'm looking forward to the rest of my day. There you go. Absolutely. Well, let's chat first. And I'm going to give our listeners a little tease into who we're going to be having on the show today. This is all about barn finds, seeking out those cars. We as car people, fanatics, always have this dream that we're going to run across this car that was stashed away. It's just got maybe some dust on it. Might have a chicken living in the front seat. You never know. But I know that you used to sell cars into Europe. So you had people branched out all over the place looking for cars. What does the term barn find mean to you, Keith? Well, let's back up a little bit. The, the way I would make my money uh, is I would sell cars to your 30 to 40 uh, a month in containers. Because remember, after World War II, Europe was crushed physically and economically. So all of the sports cars, the Jaguars, the Alphas, the Triumphs, they were all sold to this country. But in the 70s and 80s, Europe got strong. Their currencies got strong. They started buying their cars back and they would buy anything because they had nothing there. Now, those were the pre-internet days. And those of us that were looking for cars, we would have guys called car finders. They were kind of like the Davy Crockett's of of the era. (laughs) Uh, they they were hard drinking guys and they they'd go into small towns into a bar and they'd buy everybody around a drinks. So they'd say, hey, anybody know of any weird old cars around here? Then they'd go to gas stations and they'd go to repair shops. They found me a lot of cars. I ended up buying a Ferrari 330 America in Missoula, Montana, out of a barn where it was covered with stuff. Uh, we used some starting fluid, fired it up, and uh, I drove it back to Portland. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I use <laughs> I use six quarts of oil. <laughs> I looked like a destroyer laying a smokescreen in World War II. But but of course that was you know forty years ago, so the car was forty years newer as well. But a, a barn find it's a tough term because sometimes you'll find a barn find is just junk. And usually when people push cars away and forget about them, they don't do it because the car is running perfectly. They the alpha that I bought from the Cayman Motor Museum had been pushed away. 30 years ago, when his head gasket blew. So it wasn't, they, when they say ran when parked, nobody really means that. If the car is a good car and it's running, they don't push it away. So you go into this place, you find a car. Hopefully it's not been stored on dirt where, you know, all the moisture's crawled up into it. Hopefully rats aren't living in it. Hopefully it hasn't been stored in the one place where the roof leaked and everything dripped onto one spot on the roof, wore through the roof, and then inundated the interior. I've seen all of those things in the cars that I've looked at. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this guest we have today is one of the consummate authors of Barn Finds. It's another little uh, bit of curry, I guess, to uh, get you to realize who we're going to be talking with today. Fascinating books that he's written. Let me ask you this. I hear this from many people saying, well, there are no more great Barn Finds. What do you think? Well, that's not true. I think that in the age of the internet, they are harder to come by because people can 
more quickly find out the value of our car. But I know firsthand of a Lancia Aurelia Coupe that was bought out of a barn in Southern Oregon for about $15,000. And by the end of a week, it had changed hands for $400,000. Oh, ouch. Well, there's the dream. It ran in the, <laughs> it ran in the millimilia, you know, and we were, we were able to, to run the chassis number and pull up the history of the car. But it had been a, in a bar. It was, they found it on Craigslist with an asking price of $15,000 in Southern Oregon. Wow. Oh, fascinating. Well, you know, our good friend Wayne Carini's made a, a 13, 14 year TV series out of chasing classic cars and pulling cars right. out of barns, which is a testament to the fact that we as car people love the story, love the find, love the chase. And I remember talking to Wayne, he said the second year his TV show was out, he thought, there's no way this show is going to keep going. It's just not exciting enough. Well, here he is in his 13, 14 year. Yeah. People yeah. still watching it. So a lot of that is due to Wayne, of course. But the fantasy of finding that barn find is uh, truly a fantasy. Well, we're going to be back in just a minute to talk with our guest Tom today. But first, a special offer from our team at Sports Car Market Magazine. We'll be right back. Mark Green here. I have subscribed to Sports Car Market Magazine for decades. While I've dropped most of my other car magazine subscriptions, Sports Car Market is the one I'll never let go. It's a hold. Getting it monthly in my mailbox brings a huge smile to my face. Sports Car Market Magazine is filled with great articles and market updates on collector car values. It's a virtual treasure trove of value. Even the advertisements are fun to watch. Boy, I've got a deal for you. You're going to get $10 off your print subscription simply by using the code BSH on their website. Go to sportscarmarket.com slash BSH, use the code BSH, and get $10 off your print subscription of Sports Car Market Magazine. That's a deal. That's code BSH at sportscarmarket.com slash BSH. You can get $10 off your print subscription today. So, Mark, who will we be talking with today? Well, we're going to be talking with the great Tom Cotter, the barn fine king, I like to call him here on Buy, Sell, Hold. Tom Cotter is a, well, he's been a car crazy guy his entire life. Uh, after selling his company back in 2001, he bought himself a 289 Cobra and drove across the United States with a pal of his named Peter Egan. Yeah, that Peter Egan. He wrote his first book, Home and Moody, The Legendary Team, and then he went crazy, and he started writing a series of books about barn finds, including the Cobra in the Barn, the Emmy, the Vincent, the Corvette, the Harley in the Barn, and then he got a little fun with Fifty Shades of Rust, uh, Cuba's Car Culture, along with Bill Warner, who was our first guest here on Buy, Sell, Hold, and Motor City Barn Finds with my good friend Michael Allen Ross, a photographer. His most recent book is titled Ford Model T, Coast to Coast, A Slow Drive Across a Fast Country. He's the host of Haggerty's Barn Fine Hunters on YouTube and is currently restoring, we'll have to ask him why, a Lotus Elan Series 1. So, Tom, welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold. How are you doing today, my friend? You know, I'm doing just fine. And I, I couldn't think of a more appropriate place to be at when I'm on the show with you guys. So I'm actually sitting in the driver's seat of the Cobra at this very moment. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> the, sweet. The, the car that you paid too much for, right? Well, that's what Keith Martin told me. <laughs> and he's never wrong. So, Tom, welcome to Buy, Sell, Hold. We're going to jump right in. If you could describe the collector car market today using just one word, what would that word be and why would you choose it? Flux. Uh, I mean, if I have one word, that would be it. And, and why do I say that? 
I'm kind of a, a spectator. I don't buy at auctions. I don't sell at auctions. I'm kind of just below the surface. But you know, I'm seeing cars that were valuable that are not valuable anymore. I'm seeing cars that were not valuable becoming valuable. I'm seeing the kind of the the older collectors either cashing out or passing away, depleting their collections. I'm seeing younger people come in and bringing cars that they admired as you know, as high school students or whatever. So I, I think the whole, the whole game is in a, uh, in a, in a flux right now. And, and I think a lot of people are wondering where, where it's going to wind up. Well, that's talking about the market at large. We're going to talk today about three cars that have been very special for you. A car that you bought, a car that you, car that you sold, and a car that you'll never sell. So let's start with the buy. Tell us about a car that you wanted to have, you chased after, and then you finally got it. Well, I would be without a doubt by Cunningham. You know, how how does somebody find a car that only 25 exists? How, how do you go searching for that? And I was a Briggs Cunningham enthusiast. I had all the artwork, the books, the models. I had everything but the car. And then I stumbled across a car in a basement in Greenville, South Carolina. Like, how does that happen? Tell us how it happened. I, I was giving a talk at the SCCA uh, annual awards banquet in Spartanburg, South Carolina, about barn finds. They were always looking for some kind of entertainment, and I was, I'm free, so I'm everybody's favorite <laughs> entertainment. And and so I, I talked about barn finds, and I sat down to eat my rubber chicken, and the guy next to me said, what would be your ultimate barn find? And I said, you know, my whole life, I mean, literally, my whole life, I, I, I dreamed about buying a 289 that I found in a barn, but I actually found a couple of those and I did that. So I found my you know ultimate car and I'm so glad he asked the next question because he said, well, what would be your next ultimate barn find? And I said, well, this sounds crazy, but it would be uh, to find a Cunningham. I said, there's, you know, the, the Vignali Coupe, there's only, there's only 25 of them made. I'm sure they're all owned by very wealthy people, you know, but it's just a dream I have. He says, I know where there's a Cunningham. <laughs> no way. Oh, my God. I'm sitting there in Spartanburg, I, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm sure it's got a fiberglass body with a Corvair engine, you know, right. some kind of weird thing that might have looked like a Cunningham. Or and he says, a friend of mine owns it. I'll bring you there next week. And son of a gun, there it was. It's been off the road for 50 years. And, uh, you know, it was flat black. It had primered a long time ago. It's kind of abused left outside for a while, whatever. And the owner was a real nice guy and he appreciated my love for the car. Uh, but he said, you know, my dad always loved the Cunninghams and I bought it in his honor and it ain't going to be for sale. And I just gently nudged, nudged, nudged over the you know years, kind of come down and take pictures. And finally he said, you know, you're obviously the guy that needs to own this car next. And after two years, I owned the car. How did that happen? I don't know. And I wonder... You know, I dreamed about owning a Cunningham. I, I seriously, for decades, wanted to own one, and now I own one. I wonder if I had had <laughs> the same passion for a GTO Ferrari, would I have ultimately found one as well? I don't know. <laughs> well, oh Tom, gosh. what was it like when you got the car home and put it in your garage for the first time, and you went out and looked at it and said, I own this thing? Can you remember that feeling? I, it was amazing. My My wife just came out and, and we just looked at the car and, and, and she didn't, she didn't really care about Cunningham's, but, but she knew how fulfilled I was. Like 
you know, it's like it's like winning the World Series or a Nobel Peace Prize. So for me, it was that car. It was a warm feeling in my stomach. It just felt so good. Like, wow, I am a real collector now. I mean, I have a Cunningham. I'm a real car collector. Just amazing. I, I can't. I still now, twelve years later, still can't believe. What's the state of the car today? It looks exactly the same as when I got it. Uh, flat black, raunchy interior, no headliner. Cunningham has an aluminum body, so that doesn't deteriorate. But everything inside that aluminum is metal. Uh, the window winder mechanisms and, and door supports and stuff. So we had to take the, all the aluminum off the doors and, and rebuild all the metal in there and stuff. We built, I used 1934 Ford window winders in there, which were absolute, you know, whatever the Italians used was probably copied from a Ford from 34. So we, now the windows roll up and down nicely. I went through it mechanically, engine, transmission, rear end, brakes, hydraulic, wiring. So even though it looks the same, it, it's mechanically, you know, in, in pretty good shape. So yeah, I just love it the way it is. And I mean, how much time do you guys have? Like four hours we can talk? Yeah, sure uh, enough. So, no. uh, so, so Tom, wait, let so, me ask you a so, question, Tom. So so Miles has, uh, Miles Collier's got a Cunningham that he's made into a resto mod. I love right? it. I've driven his and it's one of and, the best cars so, I've ever driven. Has your car, have you left your car mostly uh, correct the way it was born or have you enhanced it along the way like Miles did? No enhancements at all. It is exactly, you know, it the way the Cunningham people built it back in the day. One of the owners of my car was a Presbyterian minister, which is crazy, right? This Presbyterian minister, he had a Porsche Spider, he had a 4Cam Carrera, he had all sorts of cars, and he owned my Cunningham. And he lost it in a garage lien. He didn't, he was late on paying for some repair work and he lost it to the mechanic. So a few years later, this guy, Presbyterian minister, finds another Cunningham and buys it. <laughs> and he had that car until he passed away. And then it, that car passed on to a friend of his. And that friend called me decades later and said, Tom, I got this Cunningham and I'm a Porsche guy. Can you do me a favor? And, uh, sell this car for me? I said, well, sure. So he sent the car from Alabama to my house in North Carolina. And I had my car sitting next to that car, two Cunninghams that had never met each other before, but at one point in their life were owned by the same Presbyterian minister. And I started to put the word out to people who might be interested in that car. Jay Leno wound up buying it for me. So, you know, there's a car in his car, a garage and a car in my garage that that, that have this, some DNA somewhere from the same guy. Fascinating. That's really cool. Well, let's move on to the car you've sold, since this is a buy, sell, hold. This is a car that you decided to let go. We'd like to hear what, why you let it go. Are you sorry you let it go? What was that vehicle, your make and model? Uh, was the sale complicated? Was it easy for you? And how do you feel about it today? Do you want it back? Well, you know, I'm going <laughs> to... It was Saturday that I sold it. <laughs> so I don't have to go far that, that far back. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> I have to tell you, and I, I, I think I'm probably typical of many car collectors. I buy cars easy and sell cars hard in that I write checks very freely because I, I literally fall in love with the car. Yet I have too many cars. And at some point I have to sell them. And I just, it's like selling a friend. I can't. This car, that was a part of me. So the car I'm talking about is a 1967 GT500 Shelby that was, uh, it's a 34,000 mile car, a North Carolina car, it's whole life, and I'm the third owner of it. 
It was owned by the first owner for one year, the second owner for 40 years, and then I bought it about, I guess, 10 years ago. And and so I had it, and, and, and I, I've driven it around a little bit. It's it's kind of a, you know, my kind of car. It's got surface rust and rip seats and stuff, but it's a low mileage, very authentic, very well-documented car, but I don't need it. And, you know, I'm, I'll be 66 next week. I have 20 cars. It's time to start unloading cars. So, you know, the car has been featured in a couple of my books. It's been fe- featured on the cover of Hemmings Motor News. It's been featured on some videos. And, I, you know, I decided it's time to sell. And a guy came Saturday and he said, he looked at it for this here and here and there. And, okay, can I write you a check right now? And I'll pick it up after it clears. I said, you know what? It's yours. I'm sad, but I had fun with it. Every time I brought it to a SAC meet, a Shelby Club meet, it was the most popular car there because the judges used that car as the benchmark for all the restored cunning, uh, uh, Shelby's up with there. So, I mean, a lot of fun. I mean, I take it to rod runs and car shows and stuff. I had my fun. And now this guy who bought it is going to uh, rebuild the engine transmission and brakes and leave the body exactly the way it is, leave the interior. So it's going to be a totally modern drivetrain, but with the, the, the patina that, you know, it's worked so hard to achieve all these years. Ah, it's fantastic. Well, you got to let them go at some point. It's like what you talked about, the state of flux. Here we are at a point in our time. We're all about the same age here uh, that, yeah, we're starting to let some stuff go and things are changing. And thus is the nature of the cycle of life. Let's take a short break. Uh, we got a sponsor here and we're going to say thank you to Sports Car Markets team for another special deal they have for us. And we'll be right back to talk about the vehicle that you want to hold. We'll be right back. I've been subscribing to Sports Car Market Magazine for decades, and it shows up like clockwork in my mailbox every month. But what about when I'm on the road? Did you know that digital subscriptions to Sports Car Market are just $2.50 a month when you sign up with the promo code DIGITAL50? That's less than a cup of coffee. You get 50% off regular price just for listening here to Buy, Sell, Hold. Plus, digital subscribers receive instant access to a year's worth of back issues and the exclusive Insider's Guide, including the 2020 Insider's Guide to the beautiful Amelia Island Concourse and all the spring auctions as well. No more boredom while sitting at the airport or on your flight. To get your Sports Car Market digital subscription at this discount, go to sportscarmarket.com slash digital50. Your order will automatically get you the 50% off. What a deal. Go and sign up today at sportscarmarket.com slash digital50. So, Tom, we've talked about the buy. We've talked about the sell. Let's talk about the hold, a vehicle that's in your collection that you can't imagine yourself ever parting with. What would that be and why? It's it's the car I'm sitting in right now. It's it's the, the red 1965 AC Cobra that uh, I bought oh, coming up on 20 years ago. I had a, uh, a motorsport agency and sold it, and I told my wife, it's Cobra time. Found this car in Walnut Creek, California, and drove it cross country. I can't tell you the satisfaction I have in achieving something that you know I wanted as a, a fifth grader. The the miles we've driven, the people we've met, the adventures I've had. I put on Cobra tours every year for uh, owners of genuine two eighty nine to four twenty seven Cobras, and we've this car's been all over the United States. It's been to Alaska. It's been attacked by a bear. Uh, oh it's. I mean, it's. You know, it, I've driven it on a rally, a thousand mile rally in uh, Montana with uh, 28 Cobras 
and we went over a mountain pass and it started to snow and sleet and it was 28 degrees and no top and no side curtains and the heater didn't work and I'm still married to the same woman. Uh, <laughs> this, I'm talking to the, the road was an inch thick of ice and we're going over a mountain pass and big sky and the 427s with their big motors and their fat tires had to, we had to turn them around literally like a turntable. We had to People got on the left front and the right rear, and we just turned their 427s, and they had to go back down the mountain, and they had a four-hour trip around. But the 289s were able to go up and over the top and down, and just amazing stuff. So, you know, some of the friends that I've met, I find that that cars in general, and and Cobras in particular, have a way of bringing like-minded people together. Most people who own a Cobra are type A personalities. They They want torque and power right now. And so the people we've met have become friends for life. And you know, my wife and I talked about it. When when we start downsizing our lives, which probably is going to be sooner rather than later, and and you know, start selling off cars and and getting a smaller home, this car will you know be with us until you said never sell. Well, you know, unless you found a, a medication that'll keep me around forever, someday it's going to be sold. And I don't know, you know, will my son wind up with it? Does he really want it? I don't know. You know, as long as I'm able, this car. will will be mine. And, uh, you know, so I'm sitting in here now talking to you. If you call me in 25 or 30 years, I might be sitting in this car and talking to you, but not able <laughs> to drive anymore. And I'll be an old man slobbering in the driver's seat, making motor noises, talking to my friends. Mark and Keith. <laughs> so, so that's the car you'd never let go of. Now I'm going to ask you kind of the Tom Cotter fantasy question. Let's talk about a car that you don't own, but that you think would be the perfect all-around collector car, not the most exotic, not the most expensive, but the car that you don't own that you think would just be awesome for touring, rallying, jumping into, just doing anything with. What car would that be? Can I change that from I don't own to I do own? <laughs> yeah, of, course well, yeah. you, of course you can, but then we're not going to pay you. <laughs> <laughs> you just I mean, blew that. You know, I, I, I'm a lucky guy. You know, like I, I drove the GT40 that won Le Mans 66. I drove that car on the highway near here. It's it's a $21 million car. I've, so I've gotten to drive like, you know, and this weekend I'm going to drive Dan Gurney's 67 Mercury Cooper Trans Am car. I am the luckiest guy. So when you say the best all-around car, it's my Cunningham. Uh, uh-huh. Here's a car that I have taken to rat rod shows because it's flat black and kind of looks crunchy. It's been displayed at SEMA and was one of those popular cars at SEMA. I've showed it at Concours d'Elegance, at uh, Greenwich, at um, Hershey, Pennsylvania. I have competed in hill climbs with it in Hershey and Mount Equinox. I've taken it to hot rod shows. I've taken it to uh, cruisings, cars and coffees. I've raced it at Lime Rock, Connecticut with a VACCA race. I've toured with it. There's nothing I can't do with this car. It it absolutely checks all the boxes and about nine more boxes. I can get parts for it easily. It's easy to work on. It's an American hot rod, which is great. And it's got Italian bodywork, which is great. This is the the most universal car that I can imagine. Tom, imagine if you had sat next to someone else that night at that dinner. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, I I, I hate to keep bringing that car up, but I mean, it is, it's an amazing car. And, and, you know, I bought it at market value at the time. It's worth more than that now, but I don't treat like, I don't treat it. The, The last three 
Cunninghams that have sold have sold for 1.1, 1.2, and $1.3 million. And I have a, a percentage of that invested in this car. Uh, but I don't treat it like that. I mean, I park it in the parking lot at a Cars and Coffee. I don't hover around it because it doesn't have a pristine paint job that, you know, I worry about stone chips or, you know, people leaning on or something. I have a bumper sticker on the back. I just plastered it right on the, on the trunk. It says, yeah, it's got a Hemi. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like, like people scratch their head. They say, do you know what that car is worth? I said, well, well, I think so. <laughs> so. Let's step back now and let's look at your whole life with the collector car world. If you were 50 years from now looking back, how would you say that your time with car collecting has changed you? And how would you say the world of car collecting is different because of your presence in it? Well, you know, except for a couple of years when I was in the furniture business, I've been in the car business my whole life. And it's all I ever wanted to do. And I have been at every end, at every end of the car business, selling parts, repairing cars, selling cars, PR, marketing, licensing, mostly in the racing business. But then I also had, you know, clients like Mercedes Benz and Ford and uh, BMW. So I have been at every end of this car business. There's not much that somebody can say to me that I haven't experienced. I've been where the rubber meets the road. And then I've been to corporate boardrooms, you know, talking to the president of Mercedes-Benz. It's an amazing world. I think my little piece of it, my little piece of the pie is that uh, I, I try to make it accessible through me to people who dream about being involved in the car business. I try to allow people to kind of live through me when I do the Barn Find Hunter series for Haggerty to, you know, they're with me when I knock on the door. I have my Woody park. I have a 39 Ford Woody that I bought when I was 15, by the way. And it's parked in the driveway. And the guy answering the door, who's got a GTO convertible in the carport or something, he knows why I'm there. And, and he's crabby. And he comes to the door. Yeah, what do you want? And he looks out in the driveway and sees a 39 Ford Woody wagon. And suddenly he's as interested in me as I am in him. You want to come in for some iced tea? Sure. And I've become... And, and, and so... You know, my feeling was when I sold furniture or when I sold cars, you have to sell yourself before you can sell your product. And so I think the door opener for me, the icebreaker, is having a car as interesting in the driveway as the one I'm asking about. And so I think, you know, the change that I've brought to this business is, you know, I think Barn Fine Hunter and my name are synonymous. I've, I've kind of, you know, that's, that's been my world for 20 something years. I didn't invent it, but I wish I had. Uh, but I, I think that people feel they're my friends, even though I've never met them. I, I was just at Retromobile and a guy from Czechoslovakia said, Oh my God, Tom Cotter, can I talk to you? And I felt so happy to talk to a guy that I otherwise never would have met. So I've got this theory that, that car people are all friends, but some of us just haven't met yet because when I meet a car person, Within 15 minutes, it's like we've known each other since high school. It's just an amazing fraternity that I've never, I've never been aware of any other occupation that people feel as strongly about each other as the car world is. It's just amazing. Absolutely, yeah, definitely, definitely the way it is. Uh, you've had quite, quite a great life. Now, this next question I have for you is: How can people reach out to you? And you're going to laugh because I know how you're going to answer. Just call Mark Green. He'll connect you with me. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Tom's personal assistant. So if you'd like to talk with him, you got to go through me first. Oh, and then I'll decide funny. if 
if you're a good friend of his. But is there uh, is that the place best place for people to find you these days is on the YouTube series by Haggerty? Yeah, uh, YouTube uh, Barn Find Hunter, and it comes out every two weeks, every other Wednesday. We've got uh, 1.3 million subscribers now. Uh, some of the shows have four and a half million views, and so people can respond uh, with questions and whatever. And I, you know, I answer them all the time through the Haggerty website. Uh, how can I buy that Camaro the guy's got in the garage? Or you know, I've got a friend with a, a, a backyard full of power wagons. Are you interested? In, I'm used to that, so carry on. Okay. Uh, the Haggerty okay. Haggerty website. So if you want to reach Tom, don't call me. Call McKeel Haggerty. He'll connect you with Tom. I'm going to just start deflecting everything to McKeel. That's my. That's what I'm going to do. I would, uh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, listeners, you know, you can find everything Tom has shared today on his show notes page. You can find that on the sportscarmarket.com slash podcast website. You can find it on Cars you Have podcast website as well, where the show will live on both of those places. Uh, check it out. And, of course, if you've not read any of Tom's books, you got to get your hands on them. They're worthy of all car people, enthusiasts, library shelves. I've got them all on my shelves. Plus, if you'd like to hear more of Tom, which I'm sure you would, you can go back to the Cars yeah website. He appeared on my show three times. I call him a three-peater. Uh, he was there by himself. He was an early guest, and I appreciate you helping me out when I started. He was also there with Michael Allen Ross, a photographer. And, of course, Bill Warner, who's been a guest, our first guest here on Buy, Sell, Hold. Tom. This has been great. It's always fun to catch up with you. Thank you for spending some time with Keith and I today. We really appreciate it. The only problem I have with you guys, the show is too short. I've got more stories to tell. Well, we'll have you back. <laughs> How does that sound? Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you, Tom. This is great. Take care. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Hey, Mark Green here. If you love the Buy, Sell, Hold podcast, you'll want to listen to my Cars Yeah podcast, where over five years, I've interviewed over 1,000 475 inspiring automotive enthusiasts. You'll have free access to my guest shows five days a week. These are amazing people who share their world around cars, trucks, and motorcycles. I take a deep dive into their businesses, and they share with you how they've wrapped their passion for vehicles into their lives. Plus, go to the CarsYeah.com website and hit the free book button, and I'll email you my free filler-up book. It's an ebook filled with beautiful fuel filler fun, and inspiring quotes from my past guests. Once subscribed, you'll get my weekly blog as well. You can find all the Cars yeah shows on CarsYeah.com or on any mobile device using your podcast app. Just search for Cars yeah Podcast and subscribe today. That way you'll get both Buy, Sell, Hold with Keith and me and the Cars yeah Podcast delivered right to your mobile device or your computer. Thanks for listening. We hope you have shed some light today on the collector car market. You can listen to all the Buy, Sell, Hold podcasts at sportscarmarket.com and carsyeah.com. You'll find hundreds of inspiring automotive enthusiasts on the Cars Yeah website as well. Be sure to log into sportscarmarket.com and subscribe to Keith's SCM weekly newsletter. You'll find digital issues, insider event guides, and price guides, along with our platinum database, column profiles, classifieds, and many other resources. Join Keith and Mark next week to hear from another automotive industry leader who will help you determine when to buy, sell, or hold.